Hello and welcome to Made to Measure, the podcast of the Journal of Trading Standards. I'm Paul Evans. In this week's episode, we're talking about property and lettings, a potentially complex subject that overlaps with various other aspects of trading standards work. It's an interesting time to have the discussion. The National Trading Standards Estate and Letting Agency team was set up earlier this year to provide a new, unified approach to property lettings issues. In addition, the new Tenant Fees Act, which came into force at the beginning of June, has given enforcers greater powers to clamp down on unfair and disproportionate charges to consumers. We spoke with the two CTSI lead officers for property and lettings, Alexandra Cosgrove and Andrew Coulter, about what their day-to-day activities involve, how the new legislation is having an impact, and the challenges they face. As you'll hear, among these challenges are the need to promote knowledge of property and lettings issues among the trading standards profession, and the importance of working collaboratively to share intelligence between different organisations and enforcement bodies. We start with Alexandra and Andrew giving us a bit of background into their important work. So my name is Alexandra Cosgrove. I'm an enforcement officer for Westminster Trading Standards as well as a joint CTSI lead officer for property and lettings. My At the moment, because I've had several contracts at the moment, my main role within Westminster is to issue the penalties in relation to the Consumer Rights Act and non-membership of redress. So my day-to-day role is looking at agents within the area that are non-compliant with those two pieces of legislation and obviously the new legislation that's coming, that's just come in and issuing the penalties, but also advising agents when they come to me, especially with the Tenant Fees Act, getting out the kind of mail merge letters across the, the borough to give the, the general advice. I'm Andrew Coulter. I'm the Operations Manager for the National Trading Standards Estate and Letting Agency team. I, I do have another role as the Joint CTSI Lead Officer for Property Law and Lettings. So my day-to-day duties in the, in the, in, as a manager role, I line manage a team employed by both Powys County Council and Bristol City Council, and that's a team of investigators and support officers that run the lead enforcement authority function under the Estate Agents Act and under the new Tenants Fees Act for England. Property and lettings is a fairly broad area which presumably overlaps quite a bit with other regulatory and enforcement bodies. So what are trading standards responsibilities? Well, we have to work very closely with private sector housing and depending on the borough or the authority, because you have to remember that within the counties, trading standards sits completely separately to private sector housing because private sector housing is in a district council within the county and trading standards is within the county. So when I've worked in county councils, the two don't meet and therefore there is... But then you have different issues in in the counties to what you have in in the London boroughs. You know, London is very different to the rest of the country. But um, certainly when I've, I've always tried to work very closely with the housing authorities because they get so much information about some of the rogue letting agents, especially in the boroughs where you have additional licensing aspects, additional uh, house of multiple occupation licensing and borough-wide licensing because they they see so, so many letting agents and landlords and bad practices. They go into houses of multiple occupation. They see what tenants put up with. You get more information about the, the managing agents as well. So um, it works slightly differently in Westminster because we don't, we only have mandatory HMO licensing, so you don't get as much information. 
There is, as you said, there is a broader enforcement and regulatory landscape around um, property lettings. And it is complicated a little bit by the fact that um, estate agency matters are a reserve matter, which means that um, the Estate Agents Act 1979, that covers all of the UK, whereas letting agency matters are a devolved issue. So you have devolved powers um, to each of the the, the four nations, and they're able to set their own um, legislation and regulations when it comes to that subject area. So you do get some some differences there in that subject. I think for this particular podcast, we're going to be talking a bit about the Tenants' Fees Act, and that came in in June. Um, but we'd also have the, the Renting Homes Fees Wales Act, which came in in September. So, and those two are, you know, fairly aligned, but there are some subtle differences. And I think those things are are important to note. I mean, we've also got um, different lead enforcement setups as well. So, for under the Tenants' Fees Act, we have the ENSELAT, as I call it. It's an easier acronym to say. <laughs> and then we have RSW, Renting uh, Rent Smart Wales, in in Wales. And that th- those subtle differences uh, are important. So, for example, there is a requirement for letting agents to be a member of a redress scheme in England, and it is is regulated. There's actually law behind that. With um, Rent Smart Wales, it's a licensing condition that the, the letting agents are a member of a redress scheme, but it's still just important for them to be to be registered up to that. There are some differences. We do have a range of kind of guidance to legislation on our website, which is free for, for anyone to access and to have a look through. Andrew, could you tell us a bit about what the new Tenant Fees Act is and what is the thinking behind it? Sure. I mean, it makes amendments to, to various pieces of legislation, but in its basis form, you can see it as uh, regulating the kind of fees that tenants can expect to pay in relation to an assured shorthold tenancy. Now, anything that isn't a permitted fee, there is a list of permitted fees within the Act. Anything that isn't within that schedule of permitted fees is a prohibited fee, and in which case they can't be made to to pay that fee. Uh, And then there are sanctions um, in regards to that if that happens. So that's pretty much it in a a, a tight nutshell. (laughs) Alex, have you encountered any challenges in enforcing it? I was involved with the select committee when they were when they were debating on the Tenant Fees Act. And one of the issues that I highlighted, and it is an issue that I've highlighted many times over the years, is that trading standards, we don't get the complaints about housing. So when trading standards look at what their priorities are, they say, but, you know, we've only had 50 complaints this year about letting agents. The general public do not come to trading standards, they go to shelter. And when they phone our frontline advice service, they are usually signposted to shelter. And unfortunately, the information that shelter get from tenants is they don't get trader details. So their information is not, it isn't comprehensive and therefore they can't pass it to us because all they can say to us is we've had a tenant that has been illegally evicted, but we've got no idea who the actual agent is. So we are lacking in a massive amount of intelligence. We know that the complaints are out there, but they are not they are not sent to us. And that is one of the biggest problems is that we just don't get the intelligence. Have you come across any examples of agents trying to circumvent the legislation by charging fees to prospective tenants under the guise of joining a members club? The private members club is, is the one that was that there was a prosecution. Islington Trading Standards took a prosecution against the private members club. Yeah, that wasn't just fees, though. That was, that was There was a wider issue with that. The problem with the members club is they were trying to circumvent all of the requirements of the Housing Act. So they were they were asking tenants to pay a joining fee um, rather than a tenant fee. So this was really before the Tenant Fees Act came in. 
but they were, you know, rather than calling the security deposit a security deposit, it was it was something else and they weren't protected. So the reason for it is because they wanted that they didn't want to protect the deposits, so they wanted to keep the money rather than protecting the deposits, and they wanted to avoid their legal obligations when it came to eviction. So they wanted to be able to evict without giving notice. Issue licence to, is to occupy. They had unfair terms. I mean, it was quite... They were doing quite a few things wrong purely so that they could try and argue that they, they weren't illegally evicting tenants and they were taking their money. I mean, that that was a bigger case than just tenant fees. Do you think, though, that legislation like the Tenant Fees Act means that things are improving for tenants? I think it is still improving and I think the new legislation will help with improving it. I was hoping that the mandatory client money protection would be the biggest help, but there will be so many letting agents out there that will not get client money protection and will continue to trade. And the big problem, the big problem that I've always found is is what you find generally in trading standards is that because these are civil penalties, the businesses just fold and Phoenix as a separate company again and do the same thing over and over. The only advantage of the Tenant Fees Act is if they breach it a second time, you can take the penalty against the director. But the evidential burden is such that you've got to prove it beyond all reasonable doubt that they are charging these fees. Not just that they're advertising the fees, they've got to have charged them. So it's quite a heavy criminal evidential burden in order to be able to go against the director. So there's a strong argument for greater sharing of data across different organisations. I'm hoping that the data is going to be there at some point in the future and that the uh, information that is taken by Shelter is is going to, they're going to take more information and be able to share it with trading standards because then we will get a much clearer idea on the actual, actual issues. And that's probably going to come now that there is more and more legislation that trading standards has a duty to enforce. But first of all, we need the... I think in London we probably get a lot more intelligence, especially, again, in boroughs where you have licensing. Andrew, could you tell us a bit about the new NTS estate and letting agency team? It was established earlier this year, wasn't it? Well, it's a bit complicated. In that form, yes, it was established earlier this year, I think... um, in its its current form, uh, it was since April, but the as as it was previously, it was NSEAT, not NSELAT, and that was the NTS Estate Agency team, that was hosted by Powys County Council, and it uh, was created in the wake of the Office of Fair Trading um, being disbanded, and that lead enforcement authority function under the Estate uh, Agents Act was then taken over by Powys County Council. So in April this year, there was a a tender that went out for the lead enforcement authority function under the Tenants Fees Act for England. And it was decided that um, Bristol and Paris would join forces and become one team, in effect. There's been a lot of work carried out since 2014 to foster good working relationships with key players in the the property landscape through um, its original guise as as NSEED. Um, and I think it was thought that, you know, by joining together, we'd we'd maximise on that and that Bristol and, and Powers Council could build on those benefits and provide more joined up approach. I think there's been the desire in the past, especially from members of the industry, to see that happen, to see the two two subject areas, which often go hand in hand anyway, uh, estate and, and letting agents, of, of course, are very closely aligned. 
And more often than not, the, the term estate agent is interchangeable. And most people wouldn't discern one from the other. You know, just Joe Bloggs on the street would, when they refer to an estate agent, might mean a letting agent or vice versa. Um, so I think this streamlines and focuses our efforts and helps to share these resources so we can deliver a better service, to be honest. I think we're experiencing quite an exciting time, actually, in the property industry because there is a lot of change happening. We're seeing quite a few changes to regulation. Now, I did mention the Estate Agents Act. That was back in, in 1979. And this is a really important issue. You know, this comes down to where people live. And there is a costly contract. You know, you're talking if it is property sales, that's, you know, some of the biggest money that people are ever going to spend. Uh, and, and likewise, if you choose to rent, then, and you know, you are, that's a huge outlay for people. So there's initial cost to that. There's fees on top of it. Um, and then before the Tenants Fees Act, that, that, that could have gone into quite steep figures, to be honest. So I think from the government's point of view, there was a, a desire to, to bring this in um, to help people get their feet on the ground when it came to finding somewhere to live and knowing exactly what they're going to be paying. So it's, it's all nice and clear and there's no, um, no surprises. So I think that was the ethos behind it. And I think it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens in the next coming months. We're running a training programme for local authorities at the moment, a roadshow, going around all the regions of, of England providing training on the Tenants' Fees Act and the provisions of it. So we're hoping this will drum up more interest in in the, in the legislation. And we're already seeing inquiries coming in, actually. So it's going to be interesting come the end of the year or March 2020, seeing what, what, what sort of reaction there has been to the legislation and what things have come up out of it as well. I think I would encourage any colleagues from local authorities to, to again log on to our website. And we have um, a Knowledge Hub as well, a team on the Knowledge Hub uh, section there. And we've actually publicised a toolkit for enforcement authorities um, on that Knowledge Hub. So please sign up to it. I'd encourage everyone to sign up to this Knowledge Hub and have a look at that toolkit. Um, because that, And we want feedback on that as well. So please have a look. Um, and it will list the kind of fees that are applicable, things that aren't. And then uh, feed that back to us, what they think of the toolkit as well. We, we want to hear about, about what they think. So, Alex, L London is very different from the rest of the country, with perhaps a higher proportion of workers and students from overseas who are vulnerable to exploitation in the housing market. Is this something you come across? I do think we get a lot of vulnerable tenants. We get a lot of foreign students. We get a lot of young people. And there are a huge amount of properties where they, they're unsafe as well. So you'll get a letting agent that gives says to a landlord, I can give you a guaranteed rent of however much a month, say £1,500 a month for your two-bedroom flat, and then they'll rent it out to eight people because they'll split the bedrooms, they'll, they'll split the kitchen, they'll split the lounge, and you'll end up with two people in a room. They're illegal partitions, so, so they do make the properties unsafe. They, they, they don't comply with the safety legislation. And these are the problems that you get in London. And then with that type of property, I've come across that so much throughout my career of dealing with lettings. You'll go into a property and, and you'll find eight to ten people in a very, very small property. And then it's also the the type of agreements they've been given. If If they're lucky enough to have their own room, then they are often given what we call a sham licence. So 
a lot of property managing agents and, and, and letting agents that, that really don't understand the legislation or, again, a bit like the Lifestyle Club, they're trying to find ways around the legislation. They give a licence to occupy, but actually it's it should be an assured shorthold tenancy. And the only reason they give the licence to occupy, again, is they don't want to protect the deposit and they want to be able to evict when they get caught by the council for putting illegal partitions up. They want to be able to get rid of their tenants quickly. So so they issue the licence to occupy. But the one thing about housing legislation is that it doesn't matter what a tenant signs. If they've signed a licence to occupy, but actually, in actual fact, the, the what they do as a tenant, so they've got their own room, nobody comes in and cleans it, they've got a lock on their door, their licence agreement says room four, then it should be an assured shorthold tenancy. I think the saying is if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck and swims like a duck, it's a duck. I think when it comes to to, to letting agency matters in particular, you can have um, some certain practices that crop up in certain areas. Uh, one of our one of our challenges will be to monitor this as a whole and strategically assess the kind of practices that are happening in, in various regions um, and then to, to deliver on that and, and have a kind of a map of what sort of things are happening in, in different areas. Now, it's obviously known that, that London in itself is a is is a huge area. It's vast. It's 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 highly populated. There are a lot of businesses there, and there are a set of probably issues that that are particular to that area, as well as perhaps um, in other cities or or major towns and cities across um, England, especially when it when it comes to lettings. There, there isn't a, a one particular practice that happens everywhere. Uh, it is quite nuanced and I think that's what's important really that's the bottom line is to try and find those nuances and and to report on it so people have a an idea of what issues are being faced in the industry. Andrew rightly or wrongly estate agents tend to have quite a poor reputation traditionally among consumers do you think that's fair do you think it's improving? It's quite an interesting concept, isn't it? Um, trust. Uh, I think this comes from uh, the. I think is it the Mori Veracity Index was the latest one. There was a particular survey that has been traditionally surveying the most trusted professions since 1983. And I think if you have a look at that, I think the latest one was in 2018, and that lists things like teachers, doctors, police officers, right at the top there, judges of this scoring matrix and you know quite rightly too i think people would would automatically think yeah we hold a lot of trust in their professions and then what's interesting is that you do see estate agents coming down the, the list at about 30 percent and that's been i think the case since the 2016 survey as well and that's 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 what's interesting is is the perception of trust over reality is this something that is actually does that reflect the truth of the matter the majority uh, of the practices in the industry or is it really just a, a, a few incidents that have happened that do mar people's perception of, a, of an industry as a whole and I, i'd like to think that we get to see two sides of the coin if you like we get to see some amazing practices and uh, some really kind of dedicated people in, in leading the industry these businesses that want to work with us and raise standards but likewise we see some really questionable practices and that's what we're here for really is to address those matters. Andrew trading standards obviously only deals with lettings in the private sector most of which are going to be overseen by some commercial enterprise but what about private landlords who are advertising their properties and finding tenants directly through things like online marketplaces, gumtree, small ads? Well I think we, we do get through the doors varying inquiries and some things like that do come to us um, and we do 
monitor those sort of issues. We have to be rather specific because the legislation behind the team itself uh, does define letting agency matters and what in fact is letting agency work. So that definition is is quite um, definitive. So when it comes to property management work or in fact somebody who rents out a room themselves just on a, you know, a lodger basis, an informal basis and have uh, a particular contractual agreement. So that, that's slightly different and that isn't um, regulated by us per se. So, yes, there are, there are um, areas where we wouldn't get specifically involved in the sense that we are the lead enforcement authority for that particular practice. But we, we do still collect that information and we monitor the industry as a whole to see any rising patterns. I think when you speak of um, Gumtree and advertising areas where, where, where people do advertise certain things, there are other teams as well that pick up on scams now you if you think of a rise in property scams that's that's slightly different because letting agency work and estate agency work in its truest form is a business it works um it, to a particular set of regulations when somebody falsely advertises something and it is potentially a scam then that's covered by a different area of trading standards. And we have lead enforcement um, teams that, that, that do cover that area, like the, uh, the NTS scams team, who would look into something like that. Alex, what proportion of your time is spent in the office as opposed to going out and conducting investigations in the field? A lot of the work is administration. I think with any enforcement work, there is the, there's always a huge amount of administration because you have to follow procedures. It's about gathering the evidence in the first place, so... When I issue the penalties against companies, especially under the Consumer Rights Act, I have to look at the websites, see whether they're non-compliant. I have to screen record the website because more often than not, agents change it. You'll walk in, you'll, you'll issue a notice of intent and they say, it's there, you've just missed it. And they'll change it within 30 minutes of you leaving the office and they'll send you a letter. But I have to make sure that I've got that screen recording that shows that they added it. So, so generally, the evidence I, I gather is to a criminal standard, and then it's you have to follow the procedures within the legislation. So they send in representations, then you send a final notice, and then it goes to court. They nearly always go to court. They rarely get anywhere when they go to court, but they nearly always do go to court. But I do try and get out as much as possible. But obviously, I'm also relying on the procedures within the council where I work. So sometimes there's a backlog. But a lot of my work is administration, but I do try and get out and visit the letting agents as much as possible. But a lot of it's research, finding where the problems are, handling the complaints that come in, the intelligence that we do get. And what's been your experience of cuts? Do they present a big challenge? It's not a big challenge to me. And I think the reason the, the reason it's not a big challenge is the, the penalties that can be enforced through the lettings work, the council get to keep. And I know that when I gave my evidence at the select committee, the one thing that the minister said was, you get to keep the penalties. The reason they were saying that the council keeps the penalties is they were trying to encourage it to be a self-funding legislation, which kind of goes against some of, you know, we're not supposed to be making money out of our work, but that that was what the select committee said to me. They said, well, trading standards get to keep the penalties and therefore this should be the enforcement kind of focus. So now the legislation for lettings, you've got the Consumer Rights Act, you, you've got the non-membership of redress scheme, you, you've got the requirement to belong to a client money protection scheme and you've got the Tenant Fees Act. All of those pieces of legislation, every £5,000 fine that is successful, the council gets 
to keep the money. The biggest challenge that I think trading standards face is, is a lack of knowledge in this field because it is essential in order to enforce the lettings legislation, it is essential to have uh, quite a detailed knowledge of the Housing Act and it, this is n- not something that trading standards have been involved in historically. Is that something you think is likely to improve? I think it will improve in time because I know that it is it is becoming such a huge priority, especially across London. A lot of the councils are saying we need to actually start enforcing this. And now that you've got the lead lettings authority, they are trying to put together training sessions and actually give information on some of the housing legislation. But there does need to be separate training on the Housing Act. Andrew, what are your experiences of cuts? Um, it's always going to be a challenge for these local authorities, our colleagues. I mean, these are talented and dedicated officers and they're doing sterling work in delivering these world-class services. But of course, they want to do more, you know, and, and I think that's the issue, isn't it, is, is when these cuts happen, that, that might impinge on that ability to do more. A lot of services have gone down the route of the intelligence-led approach, trying to target on the, the specific subject areas that are most in need of attention that's sensible. That's that's obviously a really good model. What we're trying to do, I think, from from the NTS Estate and Letting Agency team perspective, is raise the profile of property issues, property sector issues, as an increasingly important area to enforce. I think it was NTSB, they, they've recently scored um, the various subject areas of enforcement and the letting agency and estate agency matters have scored a lot higher than previously. But then it comes back to vulnerability again and the high cost of detriment when it comes to consumers in this area and businesses as well. You know, they want to to see their industry being improved upon as well. So I think the main challenge, as you say, is, is delivering enforcement in the wake of the cuts and being able to tackle certain issues when there are so many, many problems on a wider scale for, for officers to turn their attention to. Andrew, obviously housing is such an important part of our lives, not just in terms of the money we spend, but in terms of very basic fundamental principles. Do you think this makes it an area in which it's particularly important to protect the interests of vulnerable consumers? Absolutely. And you've hit the nail on the head there, really. When we're going to be doing this training, we're going to be touching on on vulnerability and the concept of it. Now, there is a definition of vulnerability that colleagues in trading standards will know from uh, the consumer protection regulations. Other organisations like the Financial Conduct Authority have done surveys on this particular bit of research into the concept of vulnerability. What we'd say, we, we, we really hear that and i think especially in the context of where people live this is this is your home this is what you what you know this is your sanctuary this is your castle this is where where you stay in the majority of your time apart from when you're at work so it's really important to people and like i said earlier this is a significant outlay of money too so this is people's savings this is their livelihoods everything's getting poured into there and when people are engaging with these sorts of contracts this is a, a specialist area this is this is property law and these are perhaps contracts that people aren't au fait with and therefore are inherently vulnerable with that particular business area. So I think, yeah, that the, there are high stakes concerned when it, when it comes to letting agency work and estate agency work. People do feel a bit on the back foot already um, when they're engaging with that, that industry, if you like, with that service, because they're unsure. So when things do go wrong, I think that it's felt perhaps more keenly and I think what our, the challenge for us in particular will be to, 
to work with key organisations and partners to try and raise those standards and, and see where, where things can be improved and just capitalise on the, on the really good working practices that are out there already. Alex, when you're going out and visiting people's homes and you can see they've been taken advantage of, do you find it difficult not to become quite emotionally involved? It's hard not to get emotionally involved, especially when you visit, you know, when I have visited some of the properties and you see the vulnerable people. And sometimes they're not completely vulnerable, but they don't understand their rights. So I have got involved. I have helped them, helped tenants with letters. I've helped because of my housing Act knowledge because I know people, I know a lot of tenancy relations officers that have incredible knowledge of the housing legislation. So I've been able to help some of the tenants withdraw from their tenancies, get their deposits back to a decent property. And actually, they've ended up with some compensation because of my assistance. And that's always very satisfying when you know that you've got somebody out of a bad situation where they think they're going to lose their home and they're going to lose two to three thousand pounds. And actually, they don't. They end up better off. Because of my intervention, that's always very satisfying. And I know that some of the cases that I've started along the way are all going to prosecution at the moment. So I'm waiting to hear what the outcomes of the prosecutions are. And they they will ultimately mean if 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 these prosecutions are successful, hopefully it will encourage other trading standards to really start to get involved more in the prosecution side of things to protect tenants. Because ultimately, this is somebody's home. The consumer detriment is massive. It's someone's home. So, Andrew, just to wrap things up, do you have any tips or best practice advice to colleagues in trading standards about how to approach property and lettings matters? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, I think Alex has hit the nail on the head as well. Uh, Collaborative working is key. So if if you have neighbouring authorities or or colleagues in in another authority that you know of on a particular project or are doing something um, in that area, then talk to them. See see what things they've run into and they'll be able to, by just a sheer fact of experience, be able to tell you um, the things to watch out for and the things to consider. But equally, the, the lead enforcement authority functions are there to help coordinate work, to help guide um, those local authorities in their enforcement activities. So I would encourage colleagues from the English authorities to come to Ensalat and speak to us about letting agency matters. Um, If there's anything they're not unsure of, please do come to us. We want to hear from you. And as well, sign up to that Knowledge Hub because we are issuing lots of guidance in particular. Uh, We have an enforcement policy on the Tenants Fees Act. So please log on and, and sign up to the Knowledge Hub and have a look at that because that's a requirement as well for local authorities to be able to know exactly what their enforcement policy will be under the Tenants Fees Act. And we have one there already done that you can have a look at and see if it can be adopted into your authority as well. But do speak to us. There is a toolkit there available, enforcement toolkit, that's there to try and help standardise those enforcement practices so people know exactly what's a duty, what's a power, um, who should they be talking to within the local authority? Work closely with your um, your local authority, environmental health housing uh, colleagues as well. Speak to them. They're going to have a lot of knowledge in this area. And, and yeah, and speak to us too. We want to hear what's happening in your area and how we can help. Well, that's it for another episode. Thanks to Alexandra Cosgrove and Andrew Coulter. And thank you for listening. We'll be back again in a fortnight's time with more from the world of trading standards. If you have any ideas or suggestions for the podcast or you just want to get in touch, send us an email to made-to-measure at jtsmag.uk. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.